Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are studying the life of Jesus, and we're going to be in John chapter 9 today. I also want to remind you that we are entering into the third year of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, around 29 A.D., and the Lord Jesus now, he's changed his itinerary from Galilee, and he's concentrating on Judea. So we're looking at possibly six more months before Jesus uh, enters into Jerusalem, and his triumphal entry is arrested, put on trial, and crucified. So in this chapter... Uh, John gives to us one of the miraculous healing events in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ that happened on the Sabbath. And so the Lord Jesus, he is throughout his ministry miraculously healing men. In this case, he heals a man born blind. This is the only instance where Jesus healed someone that was born uh, that way. Um when we're talking about blindness, a man born blind. And uh, Jesus is performing and he's doing miracles as a sign or as a calling card. And that's what really healing is. Uh, healing is the dinner bell of the gospel. It draws men and women to Christ. Amen. And the church throughout its 2000 years of history has always been a church that has brought forth healing. And so this is uh, Christ's calling card to the Israelites uh, that they would see and recognize and be drawn to him as their Messiah and as their king. But John says this in John chapter 12, 37, and we'll, we'll read this as we get further uh, towards the end of, uh, of the life of the Lord Jesus. Notice what it says, John chapter 12, verse 37, but though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him. It's not that they could not, it's that they would, man, would not believe on him. And so what these healings reveal is a deeper hatred and resistance to his lordship, uh, disobedience and rebellion. And unbelief is a horrible thing. It's horrible in the eyes of God. It hastens judgment. Uh, now, for someone who is um, a victim of unbelief because of ignorance, uh, Jesus cures that ignorance, cures that unbelief by teaching. Amen. Faith is the cure for the ignorance of unbelief. But for the obstinate rebellion of unbelief, that hastens judgment. And so... What we're going to see here in this chapter is uh, John recording uh, the continued hatred and the continued rebellion against the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we begin, let's just go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we just ask the Holy Spirit now to help us and bring us truth. And Father, as we look into your word, help us to accurately uh, interpret your scriptures Amen. And apply them to our heart. And we'll give you thanks for that in Jesus name. So here we have an instance where Jesus is going to heal a man born blind. Amen. And you must have uh, power in order to do that. And so what we're going to see here is Jesus. Uh, and remember now what Luke recorded in Luke chapter four and verse thirty six 
where the Jew says, and what a word is this that with authority and power he commandeth the spirits and they come out. Jesus had authority and power to command, and he's given that same authority and power to command to the church. We are the hands of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the hands that God is going to stretch forth uh, to heal. And so we see the, the perfect um, a teaching lesson, the perfect example in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the works that he did are the same works that we are to do now in this life. Praise God. Amen. And so we begin now in John chapter nine in verse one. Notice, and Jesus said to them, verily, verily, I say unto you. Now I'm reading John chapter eight, verse 58, and then we'll go into nine. Uh, chapter 9, verse 1. And Jesus said to them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Uh, Jesus, no man could take Jesus' life until he was ready to give it up as an offering. Verse 9 now, uh, chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Notice that that Lord Jesus, after declaring to the Jews that he is the son or the God of Abraham, he passes through the midst of them and he sees this man born blind. And verse two, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin this man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, we we need to understand this, that um, the Jews had some weird ideas concerning sin uh, sin in the womb, um, you know, sin as a curse upon uh, the parents' sin uh, that is, is seen in the children. And But Jesus says this, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. We know that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Paul tells us that in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Sickness was not in the world until Adam sinned. And so sin has passed upon every man. Now, when every man is born in sin, that means that when Adam sinned, sickness entered into the world. Sickness, uh, one minister said, is the foul offspring of its father, Satan, and its mother, sin. There was no sickness in the world until after Adam sinned. And so, and we see all the tragedy uh, throughout the history of man, sickness, disease, poverty, death, all that is a result of sin. You are charged with sin. I am charged with sin. We were charged with sin when we were born into this world. David said this, in sin, in, in sin was, I was found in my mother's womb. I can't remember exactly how the King James says it. But uh, yeah, in sin, my mother conceived me. That uh, that's in uh, Psalm uh, 51. And so we see we're all charged with sin. We're all guilty of sin because of our father, uh, Adam. And the only way that we're going to get redeemed from sin is through Jesus, through his precious blood. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus is saying here that uh, that this man being born blind is not the result of his sin. How could he sin? How could he sin? Uh, before he was born. That's impossible. Uh, that this man is 
being born blind is not the result of his sin nor his parents' sin. It's because sin was already in the world. And sickness is a result of sin. So as long as sin is in the world, sickness and disease are going to be in the world. And Jesus came to redeem us from sin, sickness, poverty, and death. Amen. Praise God. Now, notice Jesus, what Jesus says here in verse 4. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night comes when no man can work. Now, look at verse 5. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, isn't it interesting how Jesus says this before he heals this man of blindness? Praise God. And so now, who is the light of the world now that Jesus has gone into heaven, now that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God? It's you and me. We're the light of the world. This world is in darkness. And the only way that they're going to see the light is for you and I to convey that light. Amen. So Jesus has demonstrated the light of the world by healing this man. Now, notice verse six. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the man of the blind man with the clay and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Now, why did G why did John interpret uh, the, the pool of Siloam as sent? Well, that's quite obvious, isn't it? Jesus was sent. He was sent to bring light into this world. And light is not just the preaching of the gospel. It's the demonstration of the gospel. That's exactly what Jesus said in Mark chapter 15. Mark records, he said this, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, and he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. Amen. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. That's light. See, that's the demonstration of the light. That's what you and I must be doing in preaching the gospel, but also in demonstrating of the gospel. And what does that require? Well, that requires faith on our part. We have to believe. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. We're believe, we, we believe and we have been baptized. We are now born again children of God for what purpose? And that is to bring light into the world. Amen. Now, it's so interesting that seven times Jesus healed on the Sabbath in his ministry. Now, seven times he healed on the Sabbath day. Amen. And Jesus said this, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill life? So what was the Sabbath intended for? Well, number one, Sabbath was a time set aside to worship God. It was to hear the word of God expounded, but it was also a day to do good. And what is Jesus doing on the Sabbath? He's doing good. He did it seven times. He healed a demoniac on the Sabbath. Peter's mother-in-law was healed of a fever on the Sabbath. The man at the pool of Bethesda was healed on the Sabbath. A man in the synagogue was healed of a withered hand on the Sabbath. 
This is the fifth instance of Jesus healing on the Sabbath, this man born blind. The woman that was bent over had an infirmity 18 years. Jesus healed her on the Sabbath day. A man with dropsy. Dropsy was a swelling due to heart congenitive heart failure. Jesus healed a man with dropsy on the Sabbath day. So it's 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 if Jesus did good on the Sabbath day, how much more do you and I need to do good? Now, we worship God on the first day of the week. That's the Lord's day. And I want to ask you, brother, and I want to ask you, sister, what are you doing at home on, on the on the day when you should be in church worshiping God? You should be doing good. Why stay home? Get yourself up. Get yourself to the house of God. Support your pastor. Support your church. Pay your tithes. Do good. Praise God. Be a positive witness in your community. Amen. All your neighbors are going to see you dressed up going to church on the Lord's Day. That's a witness to them. That's exactly what they need to be doing. Get out in public. Pull out your Bible. Start reading it. I tell you, I, the times that I have done that, it is amazing how people who are who have been raised in church, but they have out of fellowship with God. They see somebody uh, in public reading the Bible. The conviction of the Holy Spirit touches their heart. That's a positive witness. Amen. So Jesus is doing this in public. Praise God as a tremendous witness to the Jews. All right, now verse 7, and he said unto him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. Jesus is sent. He has sent you and me. Amen. And we are to do the works of Jesus. And he went his way, therefore, washed and came seeing. The neighbors, therefore, this is verse 8, and they which before had seen him that was blind said, is not this he that sat and begged? And some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore said they unto him, how were thine eyes open? And he answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed mine eyes and said unto me, go, notice this, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and washed and I received sight. Now, isn't this interesting how that Jesus required this man to do something? Jesus is requiring you and I to do something. If we're going to be people of faith, we're going to have to respond to the word that he preaches. Verse 12, then said they unto him, where is he? And he said, I know not. (laughs) Amen. Verse 13, and they brought to the Pharisees him that aforetime was blind, and it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. So this is the fifth incident, like I said earlier, of Jesus healing on the Sabbath day. Amen. Now, this makes two points abundantly clear. Number one, that Jesus' idea of keeping the Sabbath was not the same as the Pharisees' idea of keeping the Sabbath. They were perfectly willing for this man to remain blind, not help him at all. But because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath day, then they wanted to murder him. So it's not a sin to do good on the Sabbath. That's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Amen. Verse 15, then again, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. 
And he said unto them, He put clay upon mine eyes, and I washed, and do see. Therefore said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God. Now, isn't that interesting? I remember a friend of mine, before he went to Bible school, he was asked to preach, and this was at a very strict holiness church. And he got up and he would read the scriptures and he would quote scriptures. And if he got one word out of line or skipped one word, forgot to mention one word, the people in that congregation reading along with him, they'd close their Bible and they wouldn't listen to him. They said, this man's a false prophet. You see, that's legalism. Legalism destroys the very work of God. And that's exactly what the Pharisees, they're caught up in legalism. Now, they want to murder Jesus because he did a good work on the Sabbath day. Jesus has already told us that it is good to do. It is right to do good on the Sabbath day. So verse 16 again, therefore, said some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keeps not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. So there was a division among uh, the leaders and among the religious folk. Some believed that Jesus could possibly be the Messiah, but others absolutely did not. They rejected him. And they say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he hath opened your eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. And here we have many Jews willing to accept Jesus as a prophet, but they would not accept him as the Messiah. This man here we're going to see is willing to do both. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then do you, does he now see? And his parents answered and said, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who has opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was the Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. So once again, uh, going back to something that Jesus had said concerning the Pharisees, that they have closed their eyes. In other words, they have closed the eyes of their heart. They don't care anything about Jesus. They're not inquiring. They're not asking themselves a the question, could this man be the Messiah? They have already written Jesus off. They consider him now to be an enemy, and they're going about finding a way to murder him without causing uh, a riot among the people. And so verse 23, therefore said his parents, He's a, he is of age, ask him. So here we have the parents of the blind man appear before the Pharisees. And it was the law of Moses that a person who was healed, he needed to report to the priest for inspection. And that once the priest inspected him, he was declared healed. He was declared cleansed. Amen. And uh, so here the Pharisees now, they have this man born blind. They have him before them. They don't believe he was born blind. They called his parents. The parents affirmed the fact that he was born blind. And they still do not believe. 
This man, they said, is not of God. This man is not of God because he heals on the Sabbath day. Well, see, you see how legalism gets in the way of the truth of God? Verse 24, then again called they the man that was blind and said to him, give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. And he answered them and said, whether he be a sinner or not, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. And it's obvious that that a miracle like this could only be done by God. Raising the dead can only be done by the power of God. And Jesus has done both. Then said they to him, what did he to thee? How opened he thine eyes? All right. Now, here's the fact that they can't deny is that this man's eyes are opened and they have affirmed that the parents affirmed that he was born blind and now he sees. And this man answered them. He said, I have told you already and you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? Will you also be his disciples? Then they reviled him and said, Thou art his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spake unto Moses. How do they know that? How do they know that God spake unto Moses? Well, because they have the word of God. They have the Torah. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. See, if we want to know truth, We've got to have a heart open to hear truth. We've got to have ears open to hear truth. And as far as the Pharisees are concerned, they've closed their heart so that they don't have ears to hear. They don't have eyes to see. And they certainly do not have a heart to understand. We know that God spake unto Moses. As for this fellow, we know not from whence he is. And yet Jesus, after his resurrection, he told the disciples Those things that are written to me in the prophets and in the Psalms and in the Old Testament speak of me, you see. And here are men that spend the entire day studying the scriptures, but yet they were blind. Isn't that interesting how the Pharisees can be men blind, but yet here is a man born blind, but now he sees. People that walk in darkness, they're blind. They're blind to the truth. It takes the gospel to send them, to give them the light so that they can see. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world has blinded their minds through unbelief, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them unless they can see. God opens the blinded eyes. He opened He opens the eyes of the heart that were blind. He puts in the light. How does he do it? He does it through the preaching of the gospel. That's why it's so important for you and I to witness. Everywhere we go and have an opportunity, you know, shed the light upon people who are walking in darkness. Verse 30, the man answered and said unto them, Why, herein is a marvelous thing that you know not from whence he is, and yet he has opened my eyes. Now we know that God hears not sinners, but if any man be a worshiper of God and does his will, him he hears. Since the world began, it was not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind. Verse 32, notice that. 
Let me read it again. Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was born blind? Yet Jesus did exactly that. So what does that tell you and me? What should it tell the Pharisees? That he is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. Verse 33, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. Then answered and said unto him, you was altogether born in sins, and do you teach us? And they cast him out. The Pharisees thought that they were clean. They thought that they were ready. But here Jesus is standing in their midst, walking in the same roads and, 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 and streets that they walk on, doing the very things that they should be doing. And yet they will not. And I mean, they will not believe. So this passage reveals the utter contempt the Pharisees had for Jesus and for anyone who testified of the works of Jesus. Amen. And verse 34 also this reveals the pride of the heart and the haughtiness of the Sanhedrin. They truly thought because of their rank within the Jewish society that they were elitists of their day. In other words, that they deserved to be saved. And no one deserves to be saved. What we deserve is we deserve everlasting condemnation. But Jesus came. And his grace and mercy, he showered upon us. Like John, the apostle said, what foreign kind of love, what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Praise God. Amen. So if you're saved today, if you're born again today, if you have the spirit of God living on the inside of you today, you need to be thankful. And that which you have, you need to share it with others so that others may know. Jesus wants all men to be saved, but they're not going to be saved if we don't get to them with the gospel. Amen. Verse 35. And when Jesus heard that they had cast him out and when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe on the son of God? Notice that. Do you believe on the son of God? Notice. And he answered and said, Lord, who is he that I might believe on him? And Jesus said unto him, you have both seen him and it is he that talks with thee. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. What a powerful passage of scripture. This man was born blind. God gave him his sight and he also opened up his heart, walked right up to him. When at what other time in the ministry of the Lord Jesus do we have recorded in the Gospels where Jesus walked up to a man and said, do you believe on the Son of God? Now, there were many times that Jesus would say, do you believe that I'm able to do this? But directly, this man said, do you believe on the Son of God? And he answered and said, Lord, who is he that I might believe on him? His heart is open, praise God. His heart has been blessed with light. And Jesus said to him, you have both seen him and it is he that talks with thee. And this man says, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. This man is in heaven today. He is in heaven today. He has been in heaven for 2000 years because of what Jesus did. 
Notice that this man didn't know Jesus. He didn't know anything about him. He was blind. He couldn't find where Jesus was. Jesus found him, praise God, just like Jesus found you. You were walking around in darkness. You didn't know where you were going. You were following the course of this world, and Jesus found you. Jesus found you, and he saved you. Praise God. What a day to be thankful. Glory to God. All right, let's finish out this chapter. And Jesus said, For judgment I am coming to this world, that they which see not might see, and that they which see might be made blind. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard these words and said unto him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. Notice notice what John says now in John uh, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declared unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. The Pharisees were liars. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There is a continuing cleansing of the blood of Jesus in our life as long as we walk in the light. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. The truth was not in the Pharisees. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But if we humble ourselves and confess our sins, God will hear us and he will forgive us of our sins. Praise God. So for those... For those in the world that refuse to acknowledge their sins, they remain guilty. But those that confess their sins and are willing to acknowledge the fact that they are sinners and ask Christ to come into their heart and life, repenting of their sins, guess what? Jesus is going to meet them in their moment of need, and he will save them. And he will make them and cause them to enter into the kingdom of God. And so it doesn't really matter how much we do or how much good we do externally. What we do as far as good begins on the inside. Jesus is the author of it, but it is to be displayed on the outside. We are concerned and should be concerned with the salvation of others. And I hope we are. Praise God. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. Take this word, Lord. Write it on the tables of our heart. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc 
86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.